ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to take your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, as we look at sweet songs in heavenly places. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. This passage finds us still in heaven in the presence of God and of the Lamb. The church has been raptured, perfected, and safely delivered home to glory. The landing has been safe. Revelation chapters 4 and 5 find us in the courtroom of heaven. God is preparing to judge this world, but before he does, there is a pause for praise in glory. In these verses, heaven is unable to contain itself, and all the residents of that fair land burst forth in rejoicing and praise to God in the Lamb. There's praising, singing, there's music. There's the first mention of music in this book. But my friend, it will not be the last. Music is a vital part of our lives. From the time the alarm clock sounds in the morning, we're surrounded with music. The radio and the television are all about music. We have music in our cars, in our homes, at our places of business. Music is used to move the minds of people. For example, when a restaurant is busy, they might play fast music. When fast music is playing, people eat faster and clear the table sooner. 
Music can set the scene in a film and let you know whether you should be afraid, happy, or sad. Music is important to our lives. It's also important to our walk with the Lord. Ephesians 5, 19, Colossians 3 and verse 16 speak about the vital role music plays in our relationship with the Lord. Now, this passage seems to indicate that music will be one of the things that will follow us from earth to heaven, and the music in heaven will serve to make heaven even sweeter. In these verses, John takes us into heaven. He gives us front row seats at the concert of the ages. And as we go in and take our seats and listen to the host of heaven as they lift their voices in praise and worship of God and the Lamb, as God gives us liberty, I hope we can see what he has for us today. I would have you to see in verse 8, the singers of heaven's sweet song. We're given the four beasts and the 24 elders who make up this heavenly choir. Now when the lamb takes the book, they begin to praise his name. Remember, these four beasts represent all of created life. The 24 elders represent every one of God's redeemed ones. They picture all the saints of God in his presence, singing his praises. In essence, these 24 elders are us. What they are doing is what we will be doing on that day. What are these redeemed ones actually doing, though? They're doing what they do every time we see them in the Revelation. They're on their face in the presence of their Redeemer, offering him their love, their praise, and their worship. Let there be no mistake about it. When we arrive home in glory, we will be busy praising the one who died for us on the cross, and we'll praise him for all eternity. We're also told a little bit about the instruments of the singers. We're told that these worshipers have certain items in their possession. They use these items in their worship of the Lord. First, we're given the instruments of praise the harp was used to accompany the people of God as they praised him and sang his praises. Now it appears these instruments will accompany the singing and the worship in that land. I thank the Lord for the ones who play the music in all of our services. What a blessing they are. Some of the rest of us will be able to make beautiful music to the glory of God when we arrive home. The harp is also associated with prophecy. Elisha prophesied while a man played on a harp in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 15. The harp is also tied to prophecy in 1 Chronicles 25 and verse 1. The worshipers in heaven are praising God because he is about to finish the fulfillment of all his prophecies. They worship him because he's promised it and he's about to bring it to pass. But also we're given the instruments of prayer. The golden vials full of odors are said to be full of the prayers of the saints. These worshipers come before the Lord with all the prayers of the redeemed through the ages. 
These prayers have ascended into God's presence with a sweet aroma. These prayers that were offered in faith are about to be answered in power. And Jesus told his people to pray this prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, 9 and 10. God's children have prayed that prayer for at least 2,000 years. And for 2,000 years, evil has reigned in this world. God has been hearing those prayers, and he has not forgotten a single one of them. For they are about to be answered in a demonstration of his power. This is why heaven praises God. He is a God who hears and answers the prayers of his children. Not a single prayer that prayed within the scope of his will ever falls to the ground unheard and unanswered. But every one will be answered in his time and in his way. Verses 9 and 10, I would show you the subject of heaven's sweet song. Down here, people sing about everything under the sun. If you listen to secular music, you know they'll make up songs about just about anything. You don't have to sound good. In fact, it amazes me how people actually get on the radio to sing that garbage. The church is just about as bad. I've had people want to sing in services over the years of a song that just mentions an angel, and they call it a Christian song. Just because it mentions something doesn't make it a Christian Christ-filled song. I heard a song one time that has a line in it that goes like this, We're bound together in all we do by the Holy Spirit and Elmer's glue. Isn't that silly? Church folks will sing songs about mama and her Bible and daddy in his hands, the little brown church in the veil, angels holding up ladders, etc. while many of the songs people sing in the church are about as spiritual as a worm wrestle. There are others that are helpful to the heart. But isn't it true that most of the songs we sing are less about glorifying the Lord than we are about encouraging our own hearts? Friend, in heaven, every song will have the same theme. In heaven, every song will be about Jesus Christ. Every song will glorify him, who he is, what he has done, and he will be the central focus of the entire moment. Verse 9 tells us that they sing about the person of the Lamb. They lift their voices and they sing, Thou art worthy. The song of heaven declares the worth of the Lamb of God. He is the focus of the song. He is the object of their praise. They lift up his name because he is worthy to be praised. By the way, Christ is just as worthy to be praised today as he will then when we arrive in glory. He is still God. He is still Lord. He is still our Redeemer. He is worthy of every amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He receives. And he's still worthy of every saint who will stand and say, I love Christ and I thank him for saving my soul. Our problem here is that our praise is diluted by the twin problems of pride and evil. 
We don't praise him because we're afraid of what someone else might think. We don't praise him because we are usually not in a position to feel the touch of his spirit. If we could lose our pride and deal with our sins, the Lord would come close to us and remind us of the worth of the Lamb, and we would offer up his praises. Whether we have the grasp it or not down here, Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised. They also sing about the passion of the Lamb in verse 9. They sing because the Lamb was slain. That word means to butcher. It brings to mind the brutality of the death Christ endured for you and me. And it was so brutal. It was so malicious. And heaven praises Jesus because he went to the cross and he bore the sins of the guilty so that we might be saved. Heaven praises him because he died for them. This is worthy refrain for us to pick up here on this earth as well. I can't think of a better thing to sing about than the death of the Lord Jesus. As the song goes, alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. There's been a move in recent years to modify hymn books and remove old songs that talk about the blood of Christ. Many major denominations already done this. Several years ago, Southern Baptists tried to do it, but others like W.A. Criswell and other godly men stood up and stood firm and demanded that the songs about the blood be left alone. If you remove the blood, you remove the only hope for salvation we have. Thank God for the blood of Christ. It is the theme of heaven's music, and it should be ours as well. Verses 9 and 10, they sing about the purpose of the Lamb. Heaven sings about the Lamb and about his redemption. Those in heaven remember where they were when the Lamb redeemed them. They know what they have become because of the blood of the Lamb. They remember when they were lost sinners headed to a devil's hell, and they remember the day Jesus Christ died for their sins and rose again from the dead. They remember how he came to them in their sin and how he saved them by their grace. They remember how he redeemed them and took him into his family. They know what they were, and they know exactly where they were. And they know exactly where they are right now because of him. They praise him because the, the color of the skin didn't matter. They praise him because the depth of their sin was no issue to him. They exalt him because he has exalted them. They praise him because he took a bunch of hell-bound, hell-deserving sinners, saved them by his grace, reconciled them to God, and he's taken them to glory where they will reign with him forever. 
Heaven has the right perspective when it comes to praise and worship. We could use a little more of that down here. Verses 11 through 14, we see the scope of heaven's sweet song. When heaven takes up the refrain and begins to praise the Lamb, all of creation blends in its voice, offering up praise to the Creator and Redeemer. John tries to tell us how many angels begin to praise the Lord, but the number was too great for him to even fathom. 10,000 was the largest number actually known to the Greeks. John says it, as many as you can imagine, that many times and many thousands more besides that. What are these angels doing? They are praising their creator. Did you notice that it says the redeemed ones sung in verse 9. But in verse 12, it says, the angels say. I cannot think of a single verse in the Bible that says that angels can sing. Every time they praise the Lord, the Bible says, they say. Even at the birth of Jesus, the angelic host said what was on their minds in Luke 2, 8 through 14. The only verse that even comes close to saying they sang is actually found in Job 38 and verse 7, and the word sang in that verse means to shout out or to give a ringing cry. Now, what's the point? Music is made up of two kinds of chords. There are minor chords and there are major chords. Minor chords make up the music of sorrow, pain, suffering, and bereavement. Minor chords express suffering and heartache and misery. Many of the sounds of nature are in the minor chord keys. Then there are the major chords. These are the chords of victory, exaltation, triumph and praise. We humans know about the struggles of life. We know about the touch of the master's hand. We know what it is to be redeemed by his grace and lifted out of sin and its prison. We know what it is to have no hope and then be given a new song. The angels, on the other hand, have never had our experience with sin and redemption. All they know is glory, triumph, and victory. They've never been given a song, but we have. But what they say, they get exactly right. For they declare the worth of the Lamb. They praise Him for who He is. Verse 13. Here is an amazing verse. While heaven is consumed with the praises of the Lord, the earth is busy ignoring God and continuing its slide into the flames of hell. 
And when this worship service breaks out in heaven, every creature in the universe joins in to praise the Lamb. Think about it. Every lost sinner, every devil and demon of hell, even Satan himself, will lift their voices together and give praise to the risen Lamb of God. They will not be able to help themselves, but will bend their knees and lift their voices in praise. The Bible said it would happen. Romans chapter 14 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. And it will happen. What a day. What a day that will be when a God-denying, Christ-rejecting world will praise Jesus Christ. You will notice they do not praise him for redemption. They cannot for they've never experienced it. They praise him for who he is. What a day when all of creation cannot contain itself and begins to praise the Lord who made it and who redeemed it. Verse 14, when all of this takes place, the four beasts say, Amen. Amen. They say, so it is, and let it be so. And when they join in, the 24 elders cannot contain themselves, and they fall down before the Lamb in spontaneous, open worship. I don't know about you, but I think you ought to get a hymnal if you've got one and find the hymn and sing to yourself. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with all the sacred throne we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and we'll crown him Lord of all. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.